The statue got me high from the uh, Apollo 18. They might be giants. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and on this very special, exclusive episode, I have with me Jonathan Feinberg, the very first touring drummer for They Might Be Giants. Jonathan, how's it going? It's going really well. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being on late on a Tuesday night. Uh, I believe we'll both turn into pumpkins in about 45 minutes. I have a seven-month-old, so that, uh, that's been, been doing that to me. I've got that little window of time between when she goes to bed and when I fall asleep on the couch <laughs> to edit podcasts. My greatest challenge in life these days is uh, not falling asleep while I'm putting my nine-year-old to bed. So, yeah. <laughs> nine-year-old, very nice, very nice. I teach elementary school music, so I am very fond of that age. Is, is, your, uh, is your kid a music maker at all? Uh, yes, the well, actually, they both are. So the older one gave guitar lessons to when he was uh, around the younger one's age, and it didn't really stick. But uh, when he became a teenager, he suddenly became really interested in his guitar, and now he plays all the time, and he's he's getting pretty good. And the younger one is uh, a studied piano player. He has a wonderful piano teacher, and uh, is uh, he's learning to read and he's learning to play, and it's a pleasure to help him. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I love what I do, and then at night I get to talk about <laughs> they might be giants. So uh, before we get to your time with they might be giants, how did you get started with music? Oh, let's go way back. There wasn't really a time I don't think where I started. I think I was just always playing. We I, I grew up with a, a piano and a guitar in the house, and so I was all I was playing those from you know, probably when I could walk. Uh, and uh, they gave me a toy drum set. My folks gave me a toy drum set when I was like four. And that was really the beginning of that. <laughs> Between four and 10, I don't remember actually having much, but around 10 or 11, I got my first snare drum and a cobbled together drum set made of pieces. Uh, and then uh, when I was 13, I got my first legitimate brand name drum set, which was a CB 700. Oh, kit, I, and I was very excited. <laughs> I, I had a CB, my first kit was a CB Max or something. It was like MAXX, uh, something like that. I believe it was CB. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing that was most exciting for me was going from uh, two Tom Toms to three, because then I could play the intro to Strutter by Kiss. And I could also play the... <laughs> I could play the intro to Take Money and Run by the Steve Miller band. So, <laughs> so I was very happy about that. Hell yeah. I got to have three pitches there. Very nice. Very nice. Yep. <laughs> very cool. 
Uh, so did you take drum lessons? Did you play percussion in school or did you just play for fun? Some combination of all those things. Uh, you know, I think probably until college, um, I, I did take lessons and I'll, I can tell you a little bit about that, but a, a sure. lot of my training, if it, if it was training was, uh, like so many of us was playing along with records and imagining that I was on them and wishing to be on them. So I spent a lot yeah. of time with headphones on, uh, playing to, um, and other kind of prog rocky things. So I, I was, I was way into music with odd time signatures and things like that. Uh, oh, nice. so I did, I did study it. I had, um, percussion and drum lessons starting in fifth grade. Uh, the first teacher who really made a difference for me was, uh, Freddie White from Earth, Wind and Fire, whom my mom met at a recording session. And Whoa. she mentioned, she mentioned to him as moms do that I was playing the drums and, uh, she hooked, she hooked him up with me as my teacher for an entire summer. <laughs> So, so, I was, so uh, wait, yeah. your mom, was your mom in the recording industry? Was she a musician or what, how did, how did this go down? She was in the advertising business. She wrote the lyrics okay. to jingles and she was a creative director and so created campaigns. So she spent a lot of her time in recording studios. So I, as a result, got to go to recording studios <laughs> and meet musicians and, wow. uh, and was way, way into that. Just, I loved being in that place. And in fact, the year, the summer before I went to college, I worked in Chicago's biggest recording studio, the Universal Recording Corporation, which was the place where like oh. the Chicago Symphony Orchestra would go to record or, you know, a, yeah. a, any big band could, could, could fit in big. there. It was a wonderful place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so then... Your start with drumming in um, rock bands. How? Uh, what were your first experiments in? Uh, or your first experiences in uh, bands? I Outside was. Of school. Uh, I mean, basically, until I got to college, almost all I did was just play covers with with friends in you know in our basement and in other people's basements. Uh, I was in one band that almost exclusively played Rush songs. Um, and other bands that played, you know, as I mentioned, Russian police and just all kinds of rock and roll. Oh, in fact, I was in another band that played uh, all kinds of like Van Halen and Scorpions. Uh, and the, I remember the fun of trying to figure out the lyrics of UFO songs <laughs> and just kind of singing the noises that we heard them make on the record. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, man, you were hard hitting. Hard-hitting stuff, right? I was, a ro- I was a rocker, yeah. Did you break a lot of cymbals like I did in my early days? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, the truth is I was never really that much of a basher. Um, but another thing is I didn't really figure out how to buy cymbals that sound good until way, way later in life. Like, I was way mm. wrong about a lot of things. But, of course, I still had some Zildjian new beats from when I was a kid, but I still have them now. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Symbols are expensive. Yes, they are. So yeah, in, in college, in uh, yeah, college, college, college I met um, I, the very first week of school. I met uh, my friend Dan Seiden, uh, and I sent you to my website. So the very first recording yeah. on that page is, is a song called "Hypocrites on TV," and that was that guy Dan Seiden wrote that song, and and we met 
the very first week, we were both walking to jazz band auditions, in fact, and we just fell into conversation. We became really good friends right away. And he was the first like real original songwriter I ever worked with. And we just hit it off and we rescued a bassist who was in a, uh, a jazz fusion band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we took him out of there and said, you got to play with us instead. <laughs> and <laughs> so he's the bassist him. on that recording. We rescued that's him a, from that's a, a life really, of jazz fusion. It's a really interesting song. Yeah. So it's uh, the website is mrfeinberg.com. And I really like the uh, the design of your website here. It's just very clean and simple and i love all the little the images <laughs> i love your little notes in here too <laughs> Thank you. a, a, good, a good sense Thank of humor you. throughout I've, i found all of these little images by using a website created and maintained by my employer and then if you click on my employer it takes you to a site you may have heard of google.com <laughs> yeah. so we can talk about that that yes, later cool. <laughs> sure sure very um, very nice so are yeah, these so in chronological so are these uh the sound clips in any sort of chronological order because that's i was trying to figure that out no i i actually don't think they're in any order at all <laughs> did, did i not put <laughs> dates on them i should put dates on them so you can see no they're you really should, just like some of them were hard to google of, it's a bag of time like from those years that i was living in, in new york city so you know it was all an incredible blur there were times when i was playing with five bands at once while i was living there and wow. i had a job and it was just an incredibly busy but happy life drummers are always in high demand even in new york i guess huh wow uh yeah the drummers i knew uh worked a lot yeah i wasn't really doing it for a living though I, these were just mostly they were friends and you know we, we would play at clubs and stuff but it wasn't for the money it, you know uh it was mm-hmm. it was just playing so where do you, so wait, you don't live in New York anymore? No, I live in Lincoln, Massachusetts. In fact, the Lincoln well, that, hey. <laughs> that you, you all know about. <laughs> it's which all is coming a, together. <laughs> a bizarre coincidence. So what's funny is that I did move to Williamsburg as a result of auditioning for and playing with They Might Be Giants, because that's how I found out about this amazing neighborhood, which at the time was not what it is now, you know, an incredibly... Uh, expensive uh, hip neighborhood because it's on the l mm-hmm. train at the time it was you know two bedroom for 750 bucks with like a couple of good delis and it was just a, an excellent place to live mm-hmm. um so anyway I, I moved there because of the giants uh but lincoln mass uh which i only heard of because of them certainly wasn't a place <laughs> i would consider living but it just kind of happened that this is uh, the place that um a place where my wife can have some good land for gardening and uh i can still get to work in cambridge and it's a wonderful place to live so yes i i live here and and (laughs) i was uh, aware of when uh, john flansburg's dad's house got sold not too long ago on on the market here (laughs) a a classic mid-century modern home yeah Uh, so yeah lincoln i live in lincoln (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, my sister lives in uh, Watertown. Oh, cool. Yeah, my son, yeah. Uh, my son's climbing club is in Watertown, so I go there a lot. And so is the best bakery, uh, Coco. I'm I'm sure my sister's heard about it, but let's see. What what would you say was your most notable or favorite uh, group to play with before you pre pre they might be giants. What should people listen to when they go to your website if they had to pick one or two? I don't, I don't know if I've, I've played with anyone of note before the Giants, but um, I went on tour to Europe with a band called Karen Mantler and her cat Arnold, which <laughs> was billed as uh, 
Jazz Kinder because uh, Car. Let's see, Karen herself is the daughter of Carla Blay and I think Steve Swallow, and we had uh, John Sanborn on bass, who is David Sanborn's kid, and we had Eric Mingus on vocals, who is Charlie Mingus's holy kid. Crap! And uh, that was at a time when I was pretty fresh out of music school, and I could play pretty much anything. Like I, my chops were at the highest they they ever were. Yeah. So. I was reading really intricate arrangements, drum arrangements written written through by Steve Swallow. I mean, uh, uh, people listening to this who aren't musicians might not know that drummers typically get uh, more like a, a loose guideline for for most kinds of jazz songs, not notes written out, but these were intricate parts uh-huh. <laughs> through composed, except for like play a fill maybe. And so at the time I had the chops to do stuff like that. So that was really fun. And I, I was very spoiled for uh, touring from that because I thought, Oh wow, touring's great. You get your own hotel room, you stay in mm. nice places. Everything's really comfortable. No, <laughs> not usually like that. <laughs> um, so that, that was cool. Um, yeah, that sounds fascinating, man. And then, of course, there's the guy I was playing with who's the reason I wound up knowing uh, or meeting the Giants, who was Brian Woodbury. Is, is his name one that you know already through through these stories? Ooh, no, I'm afraid not. Oh, great. Well, I can tell you about Brian Woodbury, who's like a, just a spectacular musician, composer, uh, person, yes, please. Uh, his wife also, his wife also, Elma Meyer, just an incredible composer. That um, name I know. Singer, you know, Elma, because she sings "Please Pass the Milk, Please" from Dissecting Fingertips. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think she also sings "Hey Now, Everybody." Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So Brian and Elma were good friends of mine, and I started playing with Brian's band, the uh, Brian Woodbury's Popular Music Group. Uh, through working with Brian, uh, we prepared a bit for a night at the Knitting Factory, which was a night of Led Zeppelin covers. Mm. So we did we did whole lot of love in the style of Indian film music in what? in seven eight time. And uh, <laughs> is there a recording great. of this? This sounds I just can't wrap my I head around. I don't know. That's a good question for wow. for uh, Brian. I hope there is. Uh, but at at that same show, John Linnell. And a few other people did The Ocean by Led Zeppelin. And I believe <laughs> that um, I believe that that artist, what's his name? J. Otto Siebold? Jim. I think the Jim of the guitar um, was playing drums. <laughs> and I was watching that. I was like, oh, my God, I can play drums for John Linnell. There's got to be a way I can get in on this. <laughs> um, so that was the night I met them. And so Brian, Brian was friends with them. And through Brian, I met them and Brian Dewan. And Brian Dewan and John Linnell were living together at the time in Williamsburg. Mm. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember quite the order in, in which things happened. But like they began to know of me. Uh, in fact, John plays accordion on a track on one of the popular music group records oh. called uh, the track is called they told you so okay um and he plays this beautiful accordion track like he's he's kind of the the main rhythm instrument on on that track They were right They 
said you'd never make it Well, it turns out they were right If you'd only listen to them They still would have been right But you could be so happy together You would still be together You see, you were meant to be without meaning to be But they had to say they told you So you never would be happy So they kind of knew who I was And so when they decided to uh, audition drummers I was one of the three people they gave the call to Alrighty, folks, that will do it for the free teaser of this Patreon episode. Head to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast to get the full exclusive. Is that you made me cry. I could have contained us, but that's why.